She's not tanning, look at us go Watching pitch perfect, twilight is torn, man Weekend is gone, watching her love Rose that went by that you don't know And I can't drink her, this is her time Away we go, away we go Away we go, the Annie Kendrick show Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our second episode of Kicking It with Kendrick. This time, we are specifying it is Anna Kendrick. I am one of your hosts, Pierre, and I am joined by my other co-host, Jeff. How are you, Jeff? Hello, everyone. Uh, It feels nice to not be hiding behind the veneer of lies this time. But also, I mean, we did actually, like, straight up just review Damn last time. And that will happen again. Get ready. We're, We're planning a very special episode here in the near future. But you know what? We have a very special episode today, too. We have a, uh, we have a guest on today, one of the uh, co-directors of the upcoming AODR, Academy of Death Racers Film Festival in January. We brought in Alex. We're going to talk a little bit about award shows today, and Alex knows one or two things. So, Alex, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, guys. I am Alex, co-director of the AODR Film Festival, also filmmaker liaison. I... Uh, first came upon the Spirit Awards, I'd say, early 2000s, through uh, a funky avenue. I was a huge follower of film critic Roger Ebert. So I noticed that he had an affinity for this show, particularly because it showcased films that he really cared about and was passionate about. And I had a liking for art house cinema very young, so this was something I was interested in following. I actually attended film school with a plan to become a critic and was offered a job by Roger Ebert later on that did not pan out. But I I was very passionate about following that path, um, and a lot of it was thanks to him. So that brought me upon this award show that I absolutely hate love. (laughs) I can get very passionately upset with them. Uh, upcoming on on this chat with the 2007 awards i i got a little ragey just going through the thing i i still have some some pent-up things to say about it (laughs) i'm really glad you bring up roger ebert too because just before we started uh we started recording this i was looking up um some stuff about the movie we're going to be talking about later on rocket Mm -hmm. science the reason we're talking about the independent spirits is it was nominated for i think three or four in 2007 but roger ebert had some words for it that I do not like. I think he liked, well, he definitely liked the movie more than I did, but like, it's not even me saying I hated the movie or anything. It's just Roger Ebert. Most of the time, I really like his reviews. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's definitely an old man who thinks he's hip with the kids and definitely isn't. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I definitely disagree with him strongly on several things. I think he disliked stealth a lot. I think he gave it zero out of four. And like, it's a strong one, actually. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's Brown Bunny. He didn't like that or he did? I can't remember. He had this big thing at con. I think he stormed out and then immediately started bad-mouthing it and tried to get the thing destroyed. It was a big tantrum. (laughs) It's amazing. Does he have, like, interviews and stuff on that? Can we link to those in the show notes? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, there's... I don't know if there's recorded ones. I assume there are, but there's definitely articles. I will try and find Amazing. Oh yeah, I think even if we go on, like, the IMDB for Brown Bunny, they even reference his beef with it. (laughs) It's incredible. So yeah, welcome everybody to uh, Ranting About Roger, where we talk about (laughs) Roger Ebert. Yeah. So we wanted to bring on Alex because... um, You've been following the Independent Spirits, as you already said, for a long time. And I I recently started like watching movies to try and get in with the Independent Spirits, but like I'm very new to it, so I don't really know very much. I don't know how much you know about the Independent Spirits, 
Pierre, but I know Alex knows a lot. And we thought that, especially for any of our listeners that are like just coming in and experiencing Anna Kendrick's filmography from the start, the independent spirits is a pretty important place to start. So like, can you tell us a little bit more about what the independent spirits are? Yeah, absolutely. So I just found out actually this festival is only almost to the day two years older than me, which I feel great about. But uh, they also, when they began, they were known as the Findies, which I'm glad that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> like the Friends of Independent Film. It's the same group of people, essentially, that put on the L.A. Film Festival. Okay. So let me know if that sounds familiar. They have their own fest and their own award show. Hmm. Kind of sounds like AODR. So <laughs> I kind of like that comparison. Pretty awesome. But essentially, there's a lot of just funky things, too. I would love to find a picture of this, but up until 2006, they had this weird award that they give out that was like a glass pyramid. I think it was inverted, and it had, like, shoelaces. It sounded like real ones on it to represent a shoestring budget. So they're just some goofy guys um, putting on this thing, which I love. I definitely love how on the nose that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. I tried to Google it several times. Try to find a photo. Can't find anything. So it's just uh, this amazing thing in the ether. With this award show, it didn't get broadcast until I believe like two decades or so into it. And like I said, with, with Roger Ebert being a fan, I would follow more his pre-show because he had one that reoccurred for a long time. It was almost like a red carpet show without a lot of the BS stuff where you mm-hmm. actually talk about the films and not about the people in them. So it was actually very uh, informative and really special to watch. Because like I said, he really cared. Mm-hmm. He, I remember him bad-mouthing the Oscars as well, saying that he really hoped that they could learn something at some point from the Independent Spirit Awards. And uh, part of the relation that he made between the two was that the Independent Spirit Awards made a, a choice for their broadcast I've never been a fan of where they piggybacked onto the Oscars by broadcasting the day before. I think for racers, that's kind of tough, especially since we already deal with a lack of availability with the media, Mm -hmm. screeners, anything we can get our hands on. And with the Independent Spirit Awards, I can't think of any year at all where the films have been available in time for the awards. So that's been frustrating. I I was going to say, it's also important to point out that like, with the Oscars, for people that are trying to like watch all of the Oscars before the Oscars uh, award show airs, it's sometimes difficult because, you know, something international will get announced that only has a limited release or that isn't even released yet. With the Indie Spirits, that's worse because their eligibility period is slightly different. And most of the movies that get nominated for Indie Spirits tend to be well, they're independent movies, so they don't have much of a budget, and a lot of them aren't necessarily wide-release friendly. So in a lot of years, mm-hmm. they just won't be in theaters by the time the indie spirits come up, or they will have been in theaters and everyone's already forgotten about the DVD release. Yeah, I know in the U.S., I think Canada's similar. A lot of the ones that appear at the Spirit Awards as nominees won't usually hit cinemas I'd say even like a third won't usually hit cinemas until summertime. So it's really annoying. It's a challenge to even undertake racing that when you know you can't really complete it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that the 2007 year we're talking about is definitely the most polarizing for me. I actually took notes by each category of what won, whether or not I agreed with that, and then what I thought was better. Oh, well, would you like to go through those? I mean, we might as well. Yeah, sure, sure. So this is the big year of Juno, which was I thought was pretty meh, and it, that definitely took over the Oscars that year. So this was a pretty good year for a lot of independent film crossover. At this time, um, sandwiched between films coming out like Half Nelson, Little Miss Sunshine, mm-hmm. some really big things that bled over to the Oscars and had a lot more um, attention on them. So the Spirit Awards awarded Juno that year, Personally, I feel like Diving Bell should have won. That's something that ended up being nominated at the Oscars for just a couple of things, but I feel like that was the clear standout. It did take director, which I thought was great. Unfortunately, with some of the main acting categories, I hadn't seen a lot of the films. So for actor Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's always deserving. 
uh, Elliot Page for actress. That I'd only seen two films in that category. The other one was Sienna Miller in the Interview, and uh, that's not a great movie. So uh, for the supporting roles, Chiwetel Ejiofor won. I have not seen the movie he won for, but there's two. This is a category I remember being pissed about because the kid from I'm Not There who played Bob Dylan was so good. Marcus Carl Franklin. And Steve Zahn was so good in Rescue Dawn. And then Irfan Khan in The Namesake, I think, should have won for that because he was amazing. I think about that movie all the time. That is a transcending performance. And I believe he uh, actually passed last year. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, he was amazing. For supporting lead, that went to Kate Blanchett for I'm Not There. I do not think that was deserving. Anna Kendrick was nominated, and then uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who I thought was phenomenal in Margot at the Wedding. For the screenplay categories, it was, uh, unfortunately, Rocket Science was up against Diablo Cody. So I don't think with the way that was sailing into the award season, there would have been a chance against any Diablo Cody nomination. Mm-hmm. So that was for first screenplay, since they have, I love that they have those categories, by the way, mm-hmm. where they'll differentiate between best film or first film, same thing with screenplay. For the screenplay, The Savages won, beating out Diving Bell, which was amazing, and actually Adrian Shelley's script for The Waitress. That would have been a posthumous one, a win if she won that one. So for first feature, actually, this is where it was surprising to me. When I first saw Rocket Science, I didn't like it. It wasn't something I would really revisit. But then when I went and watched it again, I was kind of annoyed with myself for just writing it off. It's better than I remember it. It's okay, but better than I remember it. Mm -hmm. I think it should have won the first film award. What did end up winning was a movie called The Lookout with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I I did not like that movie. I was furious when that won first film. Other than that, foreign film, Persepolis lost to Once, which was terrible. Uh, Persepolis is fantastic. I know you're a fan of animation, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that one? I, I haven't. I always wanted to, but that was one where it came out I was very interested in it, but by the time I had the time to see it, it wasn't in theaters anymore, and I could not find the DVD. And then... Oh, no. I mean, now I could probably see it, so I'll go back and revisit it for sure. I've heard good things about the band's visit. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one. I actually, for Persepolis, I was lucky enough to see Marjane Satrophy do a presentation of the film explaining the story of the graphic novel and then transitioning to it being a feature, and it was incredible. I think that definitely added to my experience in watching it, but I do think Once was a pretty great choice for them doing foreign film that year. For the doc, I hadn't seen anything in that category, so I can't speak to it. And then Cinematography, Diving Bell won, and uh, I hadn't seen a lot of other things in that category. So I do think, as far as Rocket Science, it should have gotten Best First Film. It definitely deserved that with everything else nominated in that category. I'm just looking through the nominees now, and I'm noticing we do have a couple of Classic Movies Live all-stars here. We got Tony Leung, oh, that nice. we always love. He was in Male Lead, as was Don Cheadle. Maybe if we go to Talk to Me, maybe that's the Don Cheadle redemption feature. We have yet to see him in a good movie on this show. But we both <laughs> oh, like him yeah. a lot, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pleasant. Is that, That's the film that Chiwetel won for, right? Yes, it is, yeah. And it was actually directed by Don Cheadle, I think. Oh, no, no, this one was not. Never mind. Yeah, I want to see that. I haven't seen it yet, and I love Chiwetel. He's fantastic Mm -hmm. and everything. And other than that, I remember I I saw I'm Not There a long time ago, and, like, I think I liked it. I was a lot younger, and, like, Mm -hmm. I definitely had different tastes in movies than I do now. So uh, Mm -hmm. I just remember it being extremely weird, but, like, in a good way. Since then, I've seen very few music biopics that I actually like. And, like, that's one that I'm not sure if I like or not. I think it's good, but more importantly, it's, like, interesting, where almost no other music biopic is. Yeah, Looking back, I'm shocked Waitress didn't win in everything, because I know that, like, since 2007, it's become not even just a cult classic. It's like transcended that and become a huge thing. Yeah, with the musical too. Exactly. So I'm kind of surprised that it was (laughs) nominated here only in one category, it seems like, and didn't didn't get anything. 
Yeah, and everyone loves the posthumous win. Her mm-hmm. her death was so unexpected, and she was so young. It was pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. Pierre, did you uh, not not to put you on the spot here, but also to put you on the spot here? Have you seen yeah. any of these movies? No, <laughs> that's fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think like that also kind of speaks to the independent spirits. Where with the with the Oscars every year. You know, if you ask someone, obviously Pierre is more than a casual movie fan, so I'm not trying to call you out here. But like, if you ask even just the casual movie fan, they probably will have seen maybe not half, but like close to half of the things that get nominated in any given year. In certain years, probably like most of those things, because depending on the year, the Oscars can entirely go to blockbusters. But like with the independent spirits... Mm -hmm. I think that like if I just went to the theater and saw movies that like were already hyped on TV, there is zero chance I would have seen any of these in that year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Maybe Juno, but I haven't actually seen Juno. So probably not come to think of it. Yeah. That was riding so high this uh, year that I think Rain Wilson actually hosted the independent spirit awards that year. Because of Juno. Was he in Juno? Yeah, very briefly. But it was like a big quoted thing. He was very over the top and it was, I th- people loved it. I thought mm. it was annoying. Fair enough. Well, uh, do you remember who the host was this year? Because I remember this is the year that I actually watched The Independent Spirits and like. Was it Melissa Villasenor? I think so. She was funny, but also all of her bits went on way too long. <laughs> she had like, she yeah. had a. Um, a bit that went from one I don't even remember if she was presenting anything it went from one commercial break to the next commercial break which was just her doing Owen Wilson impressions but then they would like but in front of a green screen so that they could put her into the movies that were up for best feature that year so it's almost like (laughs) almost like the MTV awards with Ben Stiller back in the day just green screen a sketch There was one, the one that I remember is there is the scene in Nomadland fairly early on where Frances McDormand is walking through the, uh, she's walking through the supermarket and she comes across her friend. And in this version, instead of coming across her friend, she comes across Owen Wilson and they talk for five minutes. The scene in the movie is not five minutes long. I don't know how they managed to... (laughs) think that was funny enough for a full five minute sketch when the when the actual scene in the movie is like 30 seconds but they sure did it oh god that's amazing the independent spirits it seems like is a much smaller production and like a lot of love goes mm-hmm. into it but like you also notice that it's not as i mean it's it's not run as big of a production as the academy awards are which you notice i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing oh, totally. but you definitely notice it yeah, the, the production's kind of janky in a in a great way. I love it because it does feel very mm-hmm. indie. I love that they haven't really ever changed anything with the venue. It's always been in a tent that they put up, I think, in Santa Monica, like on the beach. The red carpet's on sand. Mm-hmm. It's a, kind of a trip. It's pretty cool. Can't get much more casual than just a tent around the beach. It's, <laughs> it's interesting to hear you say that, too, because... Uh... So Anna Kendrick's memoir, Scrappy Little Nobody, is basically my Bible for this next year. And uh, I was just re-listening to it. And when she talks about award shows, she talks about the the Independent Spirit Awards, like they're slightly different. But when she's talking about attending them, she attends them basically the same as the Golden Globes or the Academy Awards, where... You know, it does matter that she's dressed up and fancy and, like, it's a whole big production. So it's kind of weird that, like, mm-hmm. they... it You say they go out of their way to be very casual, and I believe that, but, like, mm-hmm. apparently not everyone feels that they can't be casual in that setting. I guess it's just probably Hollywood for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and probably a lot of the pressure of just being a woman in Hollywood, oh, I imagine. Oh, sure. But I, I, I always note every year that... Uh, compared to the photos you'll see that come out in like, magazines and everything on Monday after the Oscars, if there's ever Independent Spirit Awards uh, photos published alongside those of, say, I at one point I saw Florence mm-hmm. Pugh like a year or two ago, of her at the Independent Spirits and then the next day at the Oscars. She looked fabulous in both, but there's definitely a difference between like 
over the top like runway glamour at the Oscars and then just looking stunning but still like chill you know <laughs> which is totally the yeah vibe. true now that you mention it actually in her in her chapter on attending awards shows going to the Oscars she has like her stylist who uh, sews her into a dress attaching it to like a diamond necklace going to the Indie Spirit Awards oh, she was God. coming back from the doctor and had to run home really quick and put on formal work so like <laughs> There's definitely a difference. Oh, that's great. I love that. (laughs) I guess the last thing I wanted to ask about the spirits is in your experience, because I guess for those, for anyone listening that um, has been lost at all, whenever Alex is saying racers, Alex, you uh, at least try every year to watch all of the uh, Oscar nominated movies before the Oscars. That's what you mean by racing, right? Yeah, I've tried for about two decades and I've done it twice. (laughs) It's not easy. It was like really nice this year because most things ended up being digital. But even then, it was like not trivial either. It's kind of a nail biter when you get down to it there at the end. You never know. I definitely remember hearing one or two people just like, finally pound out their last one three minutes before the Oscars actually started. Oh yeah, I was getting nervous for them. I remember. (laughs) But do you do that with the independent spirits as well? Or do you try, I guess? I did probably in my late teens, early 20s. But then it was one of those things where I was just like, it was a a let it go indie moment where uh, like Indiana Jones, not indie words, Mm. in which I was like, if I don't decide which one I'm going to do, and focus on that i'm gonna go crazy so i just focus on the one i've been doing for a long time and honestly it's kind of like the globes you know i don't want to say the independent spirit awards are as bad as the globes i definitely like them more but i would say for me it's similar in which i i don't race that i just try to enjoy it Mm -hmm. more so not to say i don't enjoy the oscars but it's just i don't know it's different i i don't know what it is about the oscars maybe it's a kind of obsessive thing i guess but since i was pretty young it's just always been about that but what i wanted to ask regarding that too is in your experience are the independent spirits even kind of a predictor for the oscars at all uh i would have said no until a big one that was very almost like fortune telling there was a year with a movie called Winter's Bone that mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence is like her breakthrough film. And she was nominated, went on to get an Oscar nomination. And normally this wouldn't really have been seen, but it was a total word of mouth thing. And uh, John Hawks as well with being in that, I believe he was nominated for both. I want to say it was the same year that Melissa Leo was in a movie called Frozen River. But the year, I think it's either next to each other in years or uh, the same year. But when those came out, that's when everything seemed to change and it was more having uh, a lot of the voting members of the academy seemed to have their ear to the ground more i'd seen a lot of trade things like uh, variety where it would be they were keeping an eye on it and tracking it and adding Mm -hmm. that to a lot of the predictors when they were making uh, the odds so i really noticed a turn of events then I wouldn't even say it was like the independent boom of the early 2000s. That was more having eyes on it where people wanted it broadcast and were interested. But I don't think it was a deciding factor really until the late 2000s. Okay. I mean, I guess what I should say in regards to, in regards to this show is like, it's never going to, at least for the movies we're going to talk about, it's never really going to matter that Anna Kendrick lost at the Independent Spirit Awards because the Oscars didn't even know the movies that she was in. But it's interesting to, because I'm also looking at like very recently, like Parasite won at the Independent Spirits. Mm-hmm. What else did? But at, yeah, since that Winter's Bone year, quite a mm-hmm. few have, even if they haven't necessarily been nominated at the Oscars, I know that when I was doing my articles and trying to uh, prepare for the Oscars the year that Parasite won, I looked at the independent spirits for like, what are likely nominees. And I know that a lot of people specifically considered Adam Sandler a uh, big snub because he won it for Uncut Gems and then was completely ignored at the Oscars. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah, he was a front runner at that point. Same thing with Aquafina that year, Mm -hmm. by the way. Yeah, The Farewell. That was a terrible snub. 
but I'm glad that the Independent Spirit Awards recognized her and Adam Sandler because I think that they could have gone on to probably win the Oscar that year. Mm-hmm. Although uh, the farewell got a lot of got a lot of uh, attention at the Independent Spirits, but Aquafina actually missed out. Oh, did she? Yeah, she wasn't even nominated. Bummer. Oh no. However, way. Zhao Shuzhen won for Nai Nai, which I know a lot of people were upset about oh, yes. that year at the Oscars as well. Oh, I love her in that. Well, it looks like Lulu won. I love Lulu Wong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole film based on her story with This American Life on NPR. I was a huge fan. So I'm a huge Farewell fan. And I'm mm-hmm. very happy that it was recognized by the spirits. You know, at least someone recognized it. Because I think yeah. it's phenomenal. Anyway, we're just about at break time. So I think unless there's anything else that we missed... Let's go to a break and then we will come back and talk about rocket science. Hi, this is Dakota, host of ContraZoom Pod, where we go back and forth about film. I am obsessed with movies. I could talk about them all day. And if you're like me, then you'll love my podcast. Every week we take a new topic, whether it's ranking a director's filmography, covering major film festivals, or getting way into Oscar season. While every week is different, we do have some recurring topics, like our Make Remake series looking at an original film and its remake, or our very popular A History Of program, taking an in-depth look looking at some of the biggest companies involved in film, including Criterion, A24, and Neon. It isn't all super serious topics, though, as we always need to play catch-up with all the hottest Marvel Cinematic Universe news and general pop culture goings-on. There's something for every kind of movie lover, whether you want reviews, interviews, or in-depth conversations. ContraZoomPod is found on all podcatcher apps, and visit ContraZoomPod.com for even more information. So right before the commercials, we talked about the independent spirits, and we kind of focused a little bit on 2007, because that was the year that Anna Kendrick was nominated for her second independent spirit award, or best supporting female actor in the movie Rocket Science, which she did not win, but we watched it, and we're going to talk about it. Pierre, what do you think of Rocket Science, and what's it about? Uh, Rocket Science is about a... Uh, it's a coming-of-age movie, I guess, about a boy. I can't remember his name. I never remember the names. A boy with a stutter. I've had to guess his name's like Alex or something. Am I wrong? It's Hal Hefner. Yeah, Hal. <laughs> I was wrong. He's he's kind of in a weird point of in his life where uh, his dad's left. He's he's kind of uh, doesn't have many friends. Brother's kind of a bully. Um, until he is met by Anna Kendrick, who is a debate team person i don't know if she's a leader on it or anything and she encourages him to join debate team and this is how he kind of starts his journey of self-discovery and self-confidence as we usually see in these coming-of-age movies i'm like i think probably the most important thing that you didn't mention is that he's a stutterer and so a lot of this movie a lot of this like a lot of his personal journey is getting over this stutter Mm mm-hmm yeah, I guess well we've we reviewed another movie. Honestly, it felt very similar to this called The King's Speech, where I guess they're both about I mean, on very surface level they're both about someone come overcoming their stutter, but it's the stutter is used as a narrative tool to show where how the character is growing and like how confident they are in themselves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that I guess that kind of helps frame the the coming of age part where Hal is trying to, I guess, claim his own life and grow up if that makes sense yeah mostly through the stuttering but like that it's just and a lot of other things i guess it was cute it's a cute movie it's very very 2000s like early 2000s very much so yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't oh, know yeah. if you noticed many uh i mean the the first the first sign is kind of like the the general style of everyone and the haircuts and stuff but mm-hmm. um i don't know very high school 2000s i don't know alex what did you think of that the per- it's like a period piece I, I completely agree about it being of its time yeah absolutely and i'm just looking at the director's other stuff too and i had just literally had the idea pop into my head that 
this movie makes more sense now that I've looked at everything else he's done. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, because <laughs> it didn't sound positive. But yeah, uh, wow, yeah, this really fits into his filmography very well. He's done The Office, a show called Review, which for some reason I feel like that's similar, does a lot with uh, presentations and speeches. And then he also did Spellbound, the documentary. So I think, and that was five years before Rocket mm. Science. I feel like that really prepared the director a lot for this film. In a lot of ways, they're very similar, overcoming things and having mm. to speak as part of it publicly. Pretty interesting. But there are a lot of people in this that I had completely forgot were in this movie. And uh, I was very, very surprised to see like Dennis O'Hare, Margot Martindale. There were a couple others that I can't, I don't even know their names, you know, like character actors that are older now that it's like, oh, mm-hmm. they were in that. That's cool. Uh, Jonah Hill's in this. I thought that was really cool. I had totally forgotten about that. Oh my God. He was yes. great in this too. He's a great character too. He was yeah, probably so my favorite good. character in this. I mean, he didn't have very much to do. He was just the kid at the library that how bugs every now and then and who doesn't want to be bugged. But like, I thought that was such a great role. Yeah. Oh man, I loved friend Heston. I had a couple of uh, laugh out loud moments at things that that kid said or did. Oh man, the part, without spoiling anything, where the part where his friend Heston is reacting to an accent the look on his face i was dying that kid was hilarious with all of his reactions oh my gosh this reminded me a lot of another movie that um came out not exactly at the same time but probably a few years later called the perks of being a wallflower which like it's actually quite different but it's another like high school coming of age movie i kind of liked it at the time but it's the kind of movie that i really don't like anymore like they're cute enough and the performances are nice but like it's always centered on some awkward teenage boy who is typically not someone that and you know when i'm watching them i'm like i cannot be friends with that person that person seems like a douchebag oh totally but then like it focuses so much on them and their personal journey and so it ends up being like a movie about a type of character that i don't like and it's the only part of the movie that gets any attention. I think, like, I ended up liking this movie enough, but the biggest thing that I noticed about it in regards to that is when I was watching this movie, I wanted to see more of Anna Kendrick's character, obviously, because uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a big Anna Kendrick fan. Get out of town, really? But um, Anna Kendrick's character in this exists literally as the object of the first of the main character's affections and almost nothing else uh she has like character she has character but like coming out of this movie i don't know any of her motivations and very and like or i don't really know her motivations except through the eyes of the main character and like at different points during Mm -hmm. the movie you know i'm pretty sure that was she intended to be conniving and she had tried to single-handedly cause the downfall of the debate team i don't know but they imply that at one point i think she was just i think she was just a teenage girl whose story we do not see which it's Mm -hmm. that's a different movie but i'm more interested in that movie or at least in like a movie that explores both of those sides because i've seen this movie before and i don't like this character the main character Oh, absolutely. I also feel like a lot of her, it seemed pretty fleshed out. The character was mm-hmm. realized, and a lot of that was probably up to her and the director, but I feel like it was fleshed out, but they neutered it. I feel like either the script had so much more of her developed with the character, or maybe they shot it and it ended up on the cutting room floor. I just found it was jarring in ways that they'd incorporate her parents as if they were already known at certain points where we knew more mm-hmm. about them. A lot of the familiarity there, I felt like something was missing. There were a few things like that with her where I just, I even went back and rewound it, just like, did I miss a scene with their relationship where there was more to it? It, it just, I don't know. It seems like a lot of the motivation for him to go off in the middle of the film and uh, do everything that happens uh, towards the conclusion, I just don't see a real catalyst for that. I think they must have cut something substantial. Yeah. I think that's kind of the charm of the movie, honestly. Like, the fact that, 
they kiss they just kiss once right and then they never speak again or something like that mm-hmm. um i think it really puts you in the mind of like being in high school i guess because it really wasn't that big of a deal but in his mind it was everything right and then his whole revenge plot as well was just a really like <laughs> the whole revenge thing actually made no sense because once the third act starts i'm really like this is the worst plan ever and i was expecting like the classic coming of age thing where oh maybe they get like second place or something so it's not too cliche mm-hmm. but they still beat anna kendrick's team because they have to because like that's the revenge plot right but <laughs> the fact that they just show up mm-hmm. and they're like you can't participate and then they leave it was like i think it was hilarious because it's just like so it actually makes sense you know that's what would actually happen if if someone had this really stupid revenge plot after just kissing a girl and then getting mad at her or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. Yeah, it is hilarious. Yeah, he definitely goes to some excessive places, like uh, involving an ex Mm -hmm. of hers Mm -hmm. in his plan. Oh, man, I did like that part a lot. I'd forgotten about that. That kid's pretty good actor that plays uh, her Mm ex-boyfriend. And um, you mentioned that, like, there's a lot that seems like it was just left on the cutting room floor for Anna Kendrick's character. And, like, whether that's true or not, the fact that it feels like that does really help the characterization of Hal Hefner, our main character, because Mm -hmm. it ends up sort of, I don't know necessarily reframing him, but the movie frames him as very impulsive, making a lot of stupid decisions a lot of the time and like eventually i guess he comes mm-hmm. out on top whatever that means in this movie <laughs> he's an impulsive idiot and not giving us more context to anna kendrick's character does help that come across i don't know that that's necessarily the best thing that this movie could have done but it works for what it does right. yeah absolutely oh and yeah before i forget can i blow sure. your mind jeff so Reese Thompson, who played Hal Hefner, he's actually yep. perks of being a wolf. That's, that's wild, um, man. That's actually so. This movie did remind me of it anyway. But I looked up who I looked up yeah. Reese Thompson afterwards. I don't remember who he was in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Like I saw it on the call sheet, but like I don't, I don't know, I don't remember who that character is. I had to look at a picture on IMDb of yeah. like, the cast, you know, in one of the but, like, scenes. When I when I saw that he was also in that, I'm like that. Makes sense, actually. That's the movie that this reminded mm-hmm. me of. Yeah, he might not have the uh, most creative casting directors going after him. Well, also, he's a, he's a Canadian child actor, or probably not a child anymore, but he was a Canadian child actor, and, like, Canadian actors either make it super big or don't. So, like, I think he might be yeah. one of the ones that didn't. At least, not yet. Aw, Yeah. I, I hope so. He he did well in this. Again, I don't like the character, but that's not on him. That's that's the character. Totally. Yeah. Could be an issue with directing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really not sure. This guy, uh, the guy that directed this, I mean, he just come, came off of a documentary and then went to television. To the so office, right? I don't know. I don't know. If, uh, yeah, and then he did review. I don't know if you guys have seen that. That show's amazing. He definitely is a, a good comedic director, I would say, but I think short form suits him better. Mm, yeah, it just—I guess I, I can kind of see why he was in the. It felt very similar to The Office, and that like the whole movie felt awkward, and it was kind of. It felt yep. shot. Yeah. It felt like it was shot very cheaply. I guess if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar yeah. to, I guess, at least the first two seasons of The Office was like very low production values. Um, I guess to capture like blandness of the office and i kind of felt that in this it just felt like very like a home video almost of like this guy's life um or childhood yeah like the monotony of day-to-day high school yeah i I totally feel that and i think if i had to guess i'd say that in rocket science there was a lot of handheld camera work to achieve Mm -hmm. a lot of those things yeah and like bad light or not not bad lighting but like lame lighting (laughs) yeah exactly It's yeah. super flat lighting, and it has a lot of like greenish, bluish, brown tones where there's not a lot mm-hmm. usually happening there. And there's a lot of uh, shadows. There's a lot of scenes that are a little bit darker than they need to be, but I kind of liked it, uh, especially at um, the end with Dennis O'Hare. I thought that was a pretty well-lit mm. scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I just like that one. It's hard to do uh, lighting a car at night and not make it look terrible or have terrible mm-hmm. reflections. Yeah. 
I've had to do it a few times and it's never very fun. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it just added like a a level to it. Um, A lot of, a lot of like kids. I get with this. Is this a kids movie? Would you say it's a kids movie? Probably teens. Like I'd say a lot of them are usually, at least from what I've seen recently are, are much like brighter lit and like more saturation and stuff. So this was kind of a cool, cool to see in a way. Yeah. I agree. There is one thing I, I'm remembering now, the main reason I didn't like this when I first saw it, and I had a, an attitude about it. There was a movie that came out two years before this that actually involved so many of the same elements. A boy chasing after a girl who he joins debate team for. It's a coming-of-age story. It's a movie Mike Mills did called Thumbsucker, <laughs> and I love that. It's one of my favorites, and I was just pretty upset that this movie strolled on in with essentially the same plot it was very very similar so my initial reaction was just comparing it to a movie i loved and saying nah i'm annoyed that that was a thing that was made i'm just gonna pretend i (laughs) (laughs) i'd rather just ignore it thumbsucker looks like it got like zero awards attention at all which is insane because i was actually just talking about this on the server it won best actor at sundance i had tickets that year to go see whatever won best actor so i was fortunate to see that i knew Mm -hmm. nothing about it but lou pucci won best actor and then he went on to win best actor at berlin so i I think those are the only two he might have another i think he might have won at the seattle film festival as well but then he went on to get nothing else i don't even think mike mills has got anything Mm -hmm. which is a bummer yeah, and I'm looking at this cast, and you definitely notice the difference between the casts, and not not in a good or bad way, but mm-hmm. like the cast of Thumbsucker has Tilda Swinton, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Keanu Reeves in it, and Vince Vaughn, and Rocket Science. This little mm-hmm. blurb at the bottom of the Wikipedia page at the cast says uh, that the director was very reluctant to use celebrities, and he was actually bummed out that mm-hmm. this movie got filmed. And then before it came out, Superbad came out and Jonah Hill became a celebrity. And he's like, ah, we got a celebrity in our movie now. Damn it. Yeah, that was, it did take me out of it a little bit. And I see why that would be frustrating Mm -hmm. as a filmmaker. Because it did not only take me out of it, but at that point too, just knowing Superbad, he was so recognizable. It'd just be hard to even take him seriously without giggling over this other character, you know? Because this character isn't necessarily similar. He's It's hard to say because he's in it for like two minutes. But <laughs> his character of like the kid reading philosophy textbooks in the library is also in a high school. You can imagine. Yeah. And so like he just reminds you immediately of Superbad, even if there's not anything <laughs> necessary, even if he's not the same character, because... It's also a high school movie. Like, he didn't just become a celebrity in between. He became a celebrity for exactly the same type of movie. Yeah, it's that same time, too. And, like, I think it was the exact same time that he did uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And I just picture him at that time period whenever I see him as the weird kid that tries to get the platform shoes from the store with Catherine Keener. So I just see Jonah Hill sitting at a table. I'm like, oh, man, awesome. Love the character. He's great. But he's that kid that tries to go buy the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was like his phase of like he'd pop up randomly in in movies for like 30 seconds and like steal the scene. He's really good at it. And that's probably why they yeah. oh. he kept getting better. But yeah, it was really cute. Yeah, all these people all these people back then saw the same thing that we're seeing now about how incredible he is. So Yeah. I, if only I, we I feel, uh, watched it back then. That he went on to have a richer career too because he deserves it mm-hmm. he's pretty great but was there wait did we, have we talked about anna kendrick herself i mean a little bit i think that the talked about I, her character I mean, but yeah i mentioned earlier that like my biggest problem with this is that her character she's clearly got a fully realized character mm-hmm. but she's treated just more as like a plot device in this movie despite that in my mm-hmm. opinion but she's yeah. very good in this like i really liked uh She's so focused on winning debate stuff that she has that she has zero interest in anything else, which I think is kind of like I think that's kind of fun. Also, she talks at like seven hundred words per minute. Yeah, yeah. Everything she did was like really intense. That like she she debated mm-hmm. intense. She was like friendly intense. She made out very intensely like throughout the movie and stuff. Um, I love that. I love those little things where like she would like 
be she would be in the room and then she'd walk she'd say what she had to until she left the room like in that in the last scene and then yeah. she'd talk she'd keep talking and then she'd go right back into the room without like missing a beat yeah. and continue like whatever she was doing it was so cool i watched cool. that twice because the audio design was so impressive how they would just do that with her tracking and walking mm-hmm. from yeah that was amazing really well yeah. done it was really cool you could tell she she had a lot of screen presence in this and uh yeah despite not having much to do as a character like i guess her initial presence was felt throughout the rest of the movie even though like she wasn't in the rest of the movie and that mm-hmm. i just states a lot about like how much she brought to the first half oh i completely agree yeah I think it's yeah. um, kind of interesting. The first two movies we've talked about on this podcast uh, are both movies that she got nominated for an independent spirit for. And they're both movies where, despite not being the main character, this one it's a little harder to make that argument because she is like the second lead in a way. But despite not being the person that the movie's about, she has possibly the most screen presence of anyone in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's way more pronounced in camp because she's in the movie for 10 minutes and she's still the standout. But like in this movie too, where she's, you know, a supporting role, she does have more screen presence than the main character. Mm-hmm. Also, I really like the brother. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I thought that performance is actually really cool. It felt very creepy yet loving at the same time, I guess. I don't know. Because I guess he, like there was a lot that isn't said about the character, I think exactly like why he's he is this way but like i think it comes across very well and like there's a lot of showing and not telling with his character which i liked a lot yeah he has like the way that he's made up and the way that he like his his like specific tics and the way he acts make him a very like believably creepy character and without ever having to say that Mm -hmm. especially like those scenes in the the shower like because they what they had there's like three fight scenes and argument scenes in the shower specifically and every single one of them i felt extremely uncomfortable because you know he's trying to shower and his brother's just arguing with him specifically in the shower every time Mm -hmm. i guess there's a little resolution there where the last time hal is taking a bath instead and when he is taking a bath apparently the brother does not want to scold (laughs) he instead (laughs) offers him cake which i thought was kind of a subtle way of showing that maybe they are starting to get along i guess which was nice mm-hmm. without it feeling forced so yeah it was cute oh last last i want to talk the you know, the, I, the guy that was dating the mom was yes. hilarious i loved him so much oh my god oh who was that i'm trying to find him but yeah i absolutely agree i love how he was both supporting and then also like slightly insane the whole time and like yeah and then his final outbreak scene was hilarious to watch oh yeah i really like he's the guy in fargo he's so good in fargo he's one of my favorite parts oh is he the like the not creepy ex-boyfriend but the creepy ex-stalker in fargo yeah dude yeah yeah okay he's amazing like fargo Fargo the tv show or fargo the movie no the movie oh the movie oh man he's in snowpiercer oh weird (laughs) he's in a lot of things despite apparently I didn't. I can't even find his name on this list. Steve Park. Steve Park. Okay. Yeah, dang. Yeah, he was great at this. Yeah, I loved him, man. I was laughing so hard. Oh, he's going to be in the French Dispatch. Awesome. Oh, that's sick. Every time we talk about someone and we're like, I wonder what they're doing next. It's the French Dispatch. <laughs> that's what they're doing next. We were just talking for our other show the other day about the new James Bond movie. And I remember, Pierre, you were like, I wonder what Christoph Waltz is up to. It's the French Dispatch. He's in the French Dispatch. Awesome. I'm very fine with that. What did you guys? Uh, what do you guys think overall? You wanna you wanna put a number on this bad boy? Alex, you go first. I'm gonna refer to my letterbox because the other day when we started chatting about this movie, I went to look at my letterbox rating, and I didn't have one, so I assigned one, and I want to see if it's the same way I feel after rewatching it. I gave it two. Uh, I I probably say, oh man, I, I give it a two and a half now. I'll be generous. God damn. <laughs> But like, I wish I didn't have to follow that. <laughs> well, well, well. Just for context, that's a two and a half out of five. Though. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, holy shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember you saying anything outright bad about us. I was like, where is this all coming from? Um, I'm very tough. Yeah. I have such high standards. I'm an ass. Top ten anime betrayals. <laughs> Jeez. I will call. I I also basically agree. I I say this is like. A five out of ten for me maybe a six i don't know 
depends how I'm feeling. It was just like it was cute. It, it doesn't. It's nothing really new though. And it, I mean, at the time, maybe it was something new, but it doesn't feel like anything new. Uh, just kind of a cute little story. Very, very all right. I don't know. I, I really like. I really didn't like the first half, mostly because again, it's that it's just a type of movie that does not that I don't like at all. But then I liked it more in the second half. But also, I was more distracted in the second half. Like I didn't feel like I had to tune in as much in the second half. So like, it's hard for me to say because I think on the on the second half, this got boosted a little bit for me. But also, I stopped paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about this movie because like. The first half I didn't like that much just because it's a type of movie that I just fundamentally don't like. But then in the second half, I liked it a lot more once he basically reached out to uh, Anna Kendrick's ex because I thought their chemistry was a lot better. And like that was just a much nicer story for me. But also I didn't feel like I had to tune in as much. So like I started getting distracted and uh, it just wasn't as engaging as much as I did actually like it a little more. Like it wasn't as infuriating, but I also wasn't paying attention anymore. So, like, I think overall, I'd say, like, probably a five out of ten or, like, a two and a half. Because it was, it was fine. It had good performances. And it had a lot of great moments. But, like, overall, it's not one I would watch again, I don't think. Yeah. I, I might just watch it again for that third act. It's still, it's still honestly really funny. I love it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the last <laughs> the, part was really the whole fun. The whole dramatic thing. And they're like, all right, I guess I'll see you around. We didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was really good. Especially, okay, I have to say, like, especially the way they hyped him up. Because remember, he was like, this is God. You have God working in your laundromat. And then, and then they, like, train for, like, a month. And then nothing happens. I I still don't understand. I'm so confused. I feel like we were robbed of the rest of his song, too. I want to know what happened. Yeah, exactly. They had a whole thing planned. And we didn't even get to... It probably, honestly, they probably would have, it's very possible they would have lost the first round, too. That's what they said after. They're, they're like, because remember, he's like, how oh, we could have gone all the way. And then the, the other guy's like, nah, probably not. Well, they check in, and that one lady, he asks how he's doing, and she, she just but, says, I've seen one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Because, like, after seeing the King's speech, I expected this, like, grand speech or whatever that he mm-hmm. did in that movie. But, yeah, it was, like, the counter King speech. Which I liked, so yeah. Maybe, you know what? I'm giving this movie a six, just for that ending. It's ballsy, I like it. I changed my rating. Okay, that's all I got. All right, well, that's Rocket Science. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us and talking about the spirits. Pierre, are you ready for next week? Because it's going to be a big one. That's going to be our longest episode, assuming no technical errors. Yes, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) So... Everybody tune in next week for every Twilight movie. Kick it with Kendra, she's not dead, man. Look at this girl, watch